welcome to another episode of Behind the Sport. Joined here by Brent. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good, good. Uh, stoked to be on recording. Stoked to be having another, uh, I think, last of the sunny weekends in WA. So, uh, yeah, no, looking forward to having a chat. Yeah, look, um, we're, we'll be fully open. We we actually recorded this episode uh, once before. Um, we we generally don't do redos, but we just just technology failed us. So, um, yeah, we it's it's a bit annoying. Um, and a, and our guest today um, is fantastic for coming back on because um, she's actually getting ready to head to Perth this week. Uh, when we recorded this for the supercars event so um let's just jump straight into it guest today alexandra best how are you good guys how are you good again thank you very much for coming back and uh dealing with us again after the 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 last time that uh yeah we had so many technical problems yeah well hopefully it's all good this time so we don't have to do it again <laughs> Look, I, I, I think, and it, it's not, it's nothing against you, but I think if this one doesn't work, um, we'll just call it quits on trying to get you on this episode. But I think it's going to be fine. We've got two recordings going on, plus all the other ones. So, yeah, we, I, I'm confident. I'm confident. So, ah, anyway, um, all ready for Perth. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's race week. I've only got a couple of days till I fly back, fly out there. Excellent. All right, let's jump into this. So, look, motorsport. How did you get involved with motorsport? So, when I was, well, before I was even born, my dad used to race cars. He's done what's now the Australian Production Car Series and improved production cars. Um, raced XLs as one of his first cars for quite a long time. Um, so I just grew up watching him race, listening to his stories and being around a racetrack pretty much my whole life. So it just his passion is what got my brother and I both into the sport because we started go-karting and then eventually moved to cars. So what, when about did you start your go-karting experience? Uh, so we got our first cart when I was about six years old and we learned to drive that just driving around dad's current work before he actually moved into there so it was just three massive slabs of concrete we're just driving around inside and my brother actually learnt to drive the go-kart while sitting on my lap because he was too small to be able to sit in the cart and reach the pedals on his own so he got to steer and I got to accelerate and brake for us. The And how long did it take for you to end up getting out to a club and you go you know, saying hey I want to go racing at a uh, at an actual event, what when did that happen for you? Uh, as soon as I turned seven, got my pee plates on and started go-karting at the Aubrey Wodonga Kart Club. Um, did just club level for a year or two just to get my head around driving on a track because before that it was open concrete, could drive wherever I wanted. Uh, so it took a little bit to learn the lines because I didn't have any of that experience and just was happy to be on a racetrack to start with. Was there any moment that, you know, mum or dad went, you know what, I really don't want you to be out there? I think mum was more cautious with me um, just driving in general, like even on the road, she was quite cautious about me driving. Um, but 
dad's been through it himself, so he knows what it's like. And mum, towards our end of our go-karting career, actually started racing go-karts, so she got to experience it as well. Awesome. The um, So how would you go in karting? Um, towards the end of my karting career, I uh, won the 2015 Ladies National Title at Lithgow. So I um, had a national title in my last year of go-karting where I could run a pink plate if, if I wanted to. I didn't actually run it, but I still have the physical plate back home on my trophy cupboard. Um, did a few state championship rounds and a few podiums, uh, club podiums and championships there. Um, but nothing as big as I've probably achieved in car racing, but go-karting was a good way to learn your craft before stepping into a car where you start having to change gears and have so much more speed behind you. What would be one of your fondest memories of racing your go-kart? Probably um, the race weekend at Lithgow where I won my title. Um, First two races didn't finish. First race I got pushed off the track. Engine was filled with gravel. So I started rear of the grid for the next two races. Second race, engine just didn't want to go because it still was filled with dust and gravel, so we had to clean that out a heap. Um, But I ended up in the final coming from last to win the race and I won the race by like half the lap and it was such a good feeling and also to get the lap record at the time. That's a monster drive coming from the back, lap record, win the race. Yeah, I love that. I loved racing at Lithgow and it was such a, I just felt like it was such a hard earned race win because I had to work so hard for it the whole weekend. Now, was Lithgow a track that you visited often? So I pretty much only went there when I went to do the ladies event. So I went there maybe seven times in my go-karting career because I went from when I was about eight years old to 15, 16. So once a year you managed to come from behind. You come there once a year. I'm from behind lap record. How did, how did that sort of, did you get a couple of funny looks like, how dare she do that on our home track from the locals? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And we had a, it was quite a big event because there was girls that came from all over Australia. I mean, like people that came in from Tassie as well. So it was quite a um, world-travelled event for the people that came there. And then there was people that, are from Sydney, so they're only travelling up to the Blue Mountains so they don't have to go that far and would spend weeks practising before the event where a lot of us didn't get that experience. I think sometimes, you know, it's um, good not to... Uh, not. I think you probably like might overthink it if you do a lot of practice. I don't know. I mean, I don't drive, so but to me, like, if you're practising all the time, sometimes maybe you overthink it, whereas if you just go out there and just send it i don't know would you reckon that that could help yeah sometimes it depends on the track if there are more technical track then it's better to probably get the more experience you can there because each corner is different like when i race at the bend it's quite a technical track because they're all none of the corners are even close to being to 
each other. So they're all really different. So that track would be one that would be good to get heaps of practice at. But at a smaller track like Winton, for example, that one, it can be a technical track, but it's not a huge track where everything's completely different. You can kind of put different parts of it together. Yeah. So you step out of the carts and where did you head next after karting? Uh, we started building a Hyundai XL in 2015, I think it was, just before I turned 16. And so I got to do um, just test days out Winton until my 16th birthday. Uh, a couple of days after that, I did my first race weekend at Winton in the um, XL series and was just car that dad had a lot of experience in and knew the car well to be able to set it up and um, run it ourselves and it was an experience for both my brother and I um, helping build that car and so how what did you find different between the you know go-karting and then obviously being in you know in comparison a massive massive car with you know a roof and windscreen and all that sort of stuff Probably the change in the gears would have been the biggest challenge because I'd only just got my learner's license like a couple of days before I started racing that car. Um, it was go-karting. I never did any of the shifter carts that they do in the senior categories because I finished karting before I went into the senior categories. Um, so it was changing the gears was just like having to use a gear stick for one was an experience because I hadn't had much of that word before. I had pretty much only driven a car on our paddock which is a small paddock just learning how to drive the car um it gets some sort of car control and parking practice before i did my learner's test now learning to drive a race car at the same time as learning to drive a road car you know did you have times where you sort of forgot that maybe you were not on a racetrack or did you manage to keep that separate pretty good speed wise it was my indicators, I remember when I did my P's test that my driving instructor said I didn't indicate for long enough or early enough. So it was just remembering to do those because a lot of, like on the racetrack, you don't have indicators, you don't need them at all. So it was just indicators were the thing that, I think that's a, it's a common thing. A lot of people don't use indicators, but I use them just not for enough apparently. Did you just say, hey, I didn't want to, didn't want to give away what my next move to the people <laughs> behind me? Exactly. You don't need to do that when you're in a racetrack. You're going to love driving in Perth. I don't think you have to have indicators at all on the road. Over here. <laughs> well, I've no, just... my parents can drive me around. I'll be getting a chauffeur around. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so second year, um, in you know, still with Excels, um, you get a few more races in and how'd you go then? Uh, yeah, we spread... Um, I went, did some XL racing in the Series X3 New South Wales um, XL category. And so I got to drive at uh, Eastern Creek. Um, we did some more of the Victorian ones where I did Sandown and Winton. So I was getting a bit more practice in at different tracks rather than just the home track at Winton, which was 10 minutes away at the time. So it was good um, to be able to experience different areas of the state before I get to race them in later categories. And did you do any other racing that year besides the XL? Uh, in 2016, I started the Australian Production Car Series with 
uh, Lauren Gray Motorsport. Uh, I did it in a Toyota Echo at the time with Liam Thompson, who were the youngest two drivers in a category with a combined age of 31, where a lot of the drivers were at least 30 or older. So it was quite a big age difference between us. Was it? I don't think age age matters in motorsport half the time. <laughs> no. Well, in my current category, we go up to 76 years old this year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Is that you, Brent? Is that you racing in that category? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Just <laughs> yeah. checking. Sorry. No, I just I was, want to see if it was old man Peters, you know? I was, yeah, old man Peters was struggling with technology again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Don't curse it. Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, we, we'll move along from that one. Um, <laughs> so, moving up, you know, through the through the years, you know, what what was your next? Uh, you know, I believe you stayed in production cars for another year. Um, what else happened in two thousand seventeen? Um, so two thousand sixteen, we finished second in the championship in Class E. Uh, nice. Following year. We stayed with Lauren Gray Motorsport um, and moved up to Class D in their Toyota Corolla and I ran it with the team owner Mick Gray um, and we did the production car series, got to go to a few new tracks and do night racing at Queensland Raceway, which was amazing. Um, we ended up finishing first in that championship that year, uh, which was my first car racing championship, um, which was great because it was still a lot of learning I was doing. I was driving front-wheel drive cars, something I don't do anymore, um, and just driving at different tracks and still travelling around as much as I could for racing. Um, I did race the Corolla with Mick and Ken Philby in 2018 at the Bathurst 6-hour, which was my first drive at Bathurst and in a 6-hour. Yep. And we finished third in our class, in Class D that year. And how did you go learning Bathurst? Because Bathurst on TV, it looks tight, but it looks wide because, you know, you got two chunky V8 supercars going side by side you know, through the dip and all that sort of stuff. But then when you actually get there, it's actually quite narrow. Yes. So how did you go, you know, getting your head around that track the first time up there? Um, I did quite a bit of sim stuff at home. At the time, we had a sim that we just built to a decent level, I guess, and so I got to just drive that around and um, get as much laps as I could in before the event because Bathurst is a track you don't get to experience unless you're at the track or on the sim. There's no other option, really. Um, so I did as many laps as I could. Uh, took in feedback from the team owner, Mick, because he's raced the car for quite a while, knows the car well and has raced at Bathurst quite a few times. So it was good to have someone with experience to um, help me with the event. And then when I got to the track, it was just using those hour practice sessions and getting those driver changes right at the track, just trying to learn as much as I could at the track and experience the atmosphere as well because the six bathurst is just a different atmosphere to every other track you go to they say people that i've spoken to um that have driven there or driven slash race there so that over the top of the mountain is is an experience and a half because they just 
go flat out and they don't lift. The and commitment even, you know, there through in different, some of the corners. Yeah, the commitment there in different categories is insane. It depends on the type of car you're in and your experience and um, like how comfortable you are on the car. It can change like how you even approach any of the corners because if you're not comfortable in it, if you're not confident in your car and yourself, then you're going to be not putting in as much as those like supercar drivers do up there. Yeah. In the in the um, in 2018, I just I just noticed this Aussie driver search. Were you part of the actual Aussie driver search program? Uh, so I raced their Toyota 86 at the Bathurst 1000 event. I didn't actually compete in any of their rounds. It was just they were running car and needed some drivers. So both Zach and I jumped in for uh, the Bathurst round and did our first his first drive at Bathurst and mine first sprint racing there. So I have to ask, you mentioned this earlier. When you were doing karting and uh, Zach wanted to join in, he had to sit on your lap to reach the pedals. Yes. Did he have to do that in the 86? <laughs> no, he'd grown a lot by then. He was he didn't grow till he started car racing pretty much. So in his go-karting, he had a pillow behind him for his first maybe two years and had his pedal extensions as big as they could to help him reach them. <laughs> but once he got to cars, he was tall. So sort of struggled when he was in F4 growing so much. Uh, yeah. I just picture this like cleared 86 screaming around Bathurst with the <laughs> Zach on your lap and like <laughs> you doing pedals and him steering. I don't think oh, it would dear. go too well at Bathurst anymore if, was, <laughs> if he was sitting on my lap. Oh dear. Uh, I'm a very visual person and I've just got the giggles now about that. Um <laughs> Now, the, the 2018 Bathurst six-hour, um, you guys came third. Yeah, it was great for my first time at Bathurst and first six-hour event, which was good. Awesome. Um, so 2019, one, one year before COVID, <laughs> um, still, still in production cuts? Uh, so I wasn't doing the series full-time. I was more supporting other teams. It's just one of their co-drivers at different rounds. I tried. I started with, um, I did a round at Sandown where we qualified first for like 15 seconds over the next car in the rain. And then the engine wow. gave way as we were coming into the pit. So that ended our weekend there and then. Um raced the same car at Queensland Raceway and just kept spluttering and stopping and that didn't really achieve anything. So I wasn't in for a championship after the two rounds of just having issues. So I was just decided we'll go out and race what I can and support other drivers that I've raced against and be their co-driver when they need someone. So I raced a mini at... Winton with Matt Thulis, um finished first in our class, which was good. Um, 
And then I raced a Golf R with Matt again at the Bend. And that was my last race before COVID. And we had a few issues with that, but it was a good car to drive. And we both enjoyed it. Just had braking issues because the Bend, you really need those brakes with those long straights. Um, and then COVID hit and ruined everyone's plans for racing, I think, but the supercars. Except for the supercars. Yeah. Supercars and... Uh... I think over, well, over here in WA, we actually got off fairly lightly, I'd say. Brent, would you agree with regards to racing? Like it, it stopped us for a few months. Yeah, we got we got through it pretty well. We had, you know, a heap of weird controls, and but at least we we kept racing, you know, which was pretty good because it's pretty hard to uh, to give a marshal COVID unless you're face-to-face with them, you know. So uh, we got through it pretty lucky compared to some of the other states. We just had the dumb lockdown. We couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, Victoria was very unlucky with that. We were locked up a lot. Zach was lucky he got out of Victoria just before the borders closed and stayed in New South Wales for most of his racing season that year. I think that's, um, if you're yeah, talking with a few people in supercars, they they all made the decision, you know, jump as quick as they could to get out of Victoria. And um, I know Andre Heimgartner was, was basically skipping ahead of all the lockdowns somehow he just managed to pick it that year <laughs> and just stayed ahead of him so it's just the luck of the draw really yeah. like just try and escape and do your best to keep escaping till it's done so during covid sim racing became a massive thing did you get involved with any of that no zach had just finished building his sim how he like wanted it so it was all perfect ready for him to do the sim racing and if I wanted to drive it, it'd be set up for him in his seating position with him growing and being six foot something now. I had no hope of even being able to reach the pedals. Uh, the tables have turned. <laughs> yeah. So I got in it and did practice laps at different tracks, but no real racing. I still haven't even I haven't even done a sim race before yet. I've just do practice laps on the sim when I can. Some people say that the sim racing is really good fun. Others people seem to tear their hair out at the quality of some of the sim races. And I was never really a take it way too person. serious. <laughs> yeah, they do. I was never really a person that did much sim stuff. Um, just I didn't enjoy driving the sim because I was like it doesn't feel realistic enough. But um. I did some stuff with Tom Randall last year before some of my rounds for the Utes because I hadn't yeah. been to a lot of the tracks and kind of changed my perspective on it because obviously he's got the motion simulator. It's fully set up. It's his business, so it has to be good. And I actually enjoyed that a lot that now um, my partner and I bought ourselves a sim and I use it at race events to get as much practice as I can. Nice. The 2021 things start to open up and um where did you go racing in 2021 did you get a race uh i got one race event um i was originally scheduled to race at winton for the supercars around there in the super utes my first round in the utes um i was at work on the thursdays everyone's pulling into the paddock getting set up and my brother calls me saying winton's been cancelled after we've all set up Oh, no. So went back to work, stayed at work for the weekend, and then 
Um, we worked out a plan for me to race at Eastern Creek later in the year for the last round of the championship. Uh, so I did my first round in the Utes in a Hilux. Um, pretty good weekend, finishing the top 10 all weekend and just getting experience in the Ute and on a very windy and damp track for most of the weekend. So it didn't get a whole lot of dry racing um, in my first round of the Utes, but it was a good learning experience and kind of gave me some idea for the following year, but not a whole lot because it was a very wet weekend. And what, how did you find, obviously, the, again, you know, that's another massive step up. You know, you've gone from carts into an XL um, and, you know, various other, like, smaller cars and then stepping up into this, you know, massive Toyota Hilux. And yeah. how did you find that transition? It was a huge transition just from previous cars to the Ute because I'd been used to driving front-wheel drive cars that were much slower, didn't have as much power. Um, if you jumped on the accelerator, they didn't just floor it and spin wheels as much as like the Utes will. So it was just getting my head around how to drive the Ute compared to a front-wheel drive car. Um, and then changing my braking technique, which is something I struggled with last year just because I don't need, didn't need to um, use as much pressure in the front-wheel drive cars as I do in the in the, the Utes braking and just changing my braking technique. Um, and then especially in my first weekend in the Ute at Sydney, uh, it was had such high winds and then the Utes, if you hit the Utes, it was hitting the um, tray and just was trying to spin it just because of how hard the wind was that weekend. Big, big learning experience. Probably good that you got that that um, experience in a wet weather, horrible wind. Yeah, uh, we haven't done a whole lot of that since then, really. Like, that was the worst, the wind-wise, that I've been in a year. We've had terrible rain at Bathurst last year, but the wind hasn't been ex as extreme as that since, well, since that race weekend. And 2022, last year, we um, obviously welcome back supercars to Perth and a bit of normality returned uh, to us all. Um, did you get another drive in the Utes? So I did my first full season in the Utes with Cedars Racing. Um, I moved into a Triton for the year, which I'm racing this weekend as well. Um we're lucky enough to travel, pretty much travel to every state in Australia besides ACT. Um, most for all of them I raced at besides Darwin, I actually just went and watched the supercars there. So I was fortunate enough to travel after being in lockdowns for ages. Um, Tassie was our first round and it was a quite a challenging weekend. He had only had one race weekend in the ute and just getting around the tassie track and trying to get my head around that and the braking technique was uh my main struggle for that weekend because tassie you have to reach huge brake pressures to just be able to pull up the ute and then go around the track because it's quite a small track where you just need those that brake pressure the um 
your first trip over to Perth, how did you find the track over here? It was, I was lucky enough I did my sim stuff with Tom before that round. So I had more of an idea of the track going into it than when I went to Tassie because I'd seen, I'd been to Tassie as a little kid, but I hadn't driven on it or done much sim stuff to prepare. But for Perth, I had a supercar driver helping me like coach me and do engineering and stuff and go through the data from our sims practice. So I was able to have a better understanding of the track before going there, which I felt more confident going into that round. And then once I got there, I actually really liked driving at Perth. It was quite a good track and I'm looking forward to going there again this year. I'm glad I'm not coming to Tassie because that was not a great one, but Perth I'm looking forward to. We'll send you the uh, bribe through the mail or leave it at the track for you this week for saying that. <laughs> um, <laughs> from um, And I think it was you that mentioned this when we, we did speak before. Um, you, I think it was you that said that looking at the track, it looks very simple. I reckon it probably does. It doesn't. You don't notice the elevation in it. Like when you're going down to the bowl, it's so much lower than back near turn one and two it was like just looking at the layout on the sim you don't notice it as much okay yeah we've had, we've had a few guests who've yeah just basically said like it's it's a track that they often get caught out on because they you know other tracks obviously are longer and there's a few more corners whereas here you know there's seven corners and you know if you if you screw up turn six um, down in the bowl, well, you've lost your run up up the hill, and then down into seven. So yeah, you know, if you lose obviously... out on the last corner as well, you lose your whole run. Come into that start of a new lap, and if you're yeah. battling the last lap, you lose your positioning there easily if you stuff up the last corner. And like over the since, uh, well, was it last weekend? I think it was the last weekend, weekend before. Anyway, the, we we had another race round over here, and. Watching, you know, so some of the footage from the cars um, and from our trackside cameras, and you know, it's amazing to watch. You know, you see like the that driver's taken the same line every single lap and has stayed ahead of everyone, and then they take a slightly different lay, um, line through turn six, and all of a sudden they're getting like swamped, yeah, you know, by the other drivers who have taken their normal fast line. So it's it's, it's um, a track that if you make a mistake, you're going to lose a lot of time on. With some tracks, if you make a small mistake, you can keep going and you won't lose too much time or car may catch you but not pass you. But the bowl, the last corner, two corners that you can easily lose quite a few positions and now I've got 19 utes going into this round. So if you make a mistake, there's going to be someone around you to catch you. But 19 utes is amazing, I think. I think I heard there was going to be a cap of something somewhere in the mid-20s on the Utes. I'm not sure, but we were looking at... Last year we had 13 Utes, now we're looking at 19. That's a huge improvement. And there's yeah. quite a few teams that have expanded to two Utes and then teams that have built brand new Utes for the season, which is great. Brent, I think it's about time to get a Super Ute and add that to your collection. Yeah. No, I wouldn't mind. Now, that, now that they've got the big donks in them, I wouldn't mind them. And I like the... The rear ends, how they run that uh, prefabbed rear end setup. They just uh, have different mounts to suit the different chassis. They're pretty, pretty well built things. Um, interesting to see if they get them a bit quicker now. You know, everyone's got their head around them. 
So I think 21 was kind of, 21 was the first year of the V8s in them, I think. Is that right, Alexander? Uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah so they're still you know, getting their heads around the ECUs and the setup, and it's obviously, you know, half production car, half sports sedan sort of thing, you know. I think as well last year, uh, especially coming to Perth, I think a few drivers, from what I could tell how they were driving, they were still trying to drive as if they were somewhere else. Um, not taking into account that, you know, the, the carco.com.au raceway surface, as well as just the track in general, is pretty hard on, on gear from you know, what, I, what I've seen and what I've heard from talking with drivers at all levels. So, you know, if you're not not used to that and you come come, uh, come out blazing like you do at some other tracks, you're probably not going to have a good time. And Perth is one of the tracks where we do longer races so i think one of our races is 18 laps and the others are 15 so it's right. quite a like longer race weekend than what we normally would get because normally they're probably about 12 laps yeah. oh, i so didn't notice the laps perth is somewhere that we get one longer race and then three of the shorter races but they're still quite big races for us compared to like a lot of categories like 86 is get like eight laps a lot of rounds yeah so 2023, what have you done so far this year? Uh, so I've raced the Bathurst six hour in a BMW 135i in class B1 um, in an all girls team with Carly Baccini. She owns the car and runs it herself, uh, a family based team. And then Courtney Prince, the Carrera Cup driver. Yep. Um, so we raced that over the Easter weekend and finished second in class B1, which was great. It was a step up from last time I was at the six hour. Nice. Well done. Thank you. It was the first all-girls team to compete and finish on the podium as well. That's fantastic. And uh, and something which is ex- like pretty exciting for, for Perth as well, this, um, coming up to this race weekend, um, the Girls on Track program is actually going to be visiting the Supercars event, which is fantastic. So, um, yeah, I'm quite... Quite pleased to see that's happening on a on a big race weekend. Yeah, it'll um, be good. The Friday morning they have the Inspire program, so it's the one for the younger girls where they show them different areas of motorsport um, and try and teach them some skills and see what they're interested in, see if it's something that'll interest them. And then the afternoon there's a Pathways program, so they have a panel and then there's some networking at the end, so we get to experience, meet a heap of different people and try and make connections with the girls that are 16 to 22, I think it is, and see if they could find a pathway into a career or something that interests them in motorsport. So I'll be there in the afternoon for that. I'll miss the morning one because of my racing commitments, but I'll be there because I'm one of their ambassadors for the Girls on Track program. Awesome. I will see you there in the afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right, I'm going to, uh, I've got a few more questions, but I'm going to, um, throw you over to Brent and, um, yeah, Brent, I'm sure has a few lovely questions for you. Yeah. Captain, uh, technical difficulty over here. Um, <laughs> and yeah, no, Shane, I'm going to use that next time that, uh, next time I break something at the track, I'm going to blame the track. It's the track's fault, not mine at all. 
<laughs> it's just water it's really hard on the gear it's got nothing to do with the with, with me being ham-fisted at all but if you drove to the the conditions of the track and you know <laughs> yeah um no it's cool cool to have you on thank you very much for making the time to, to jump on the podcast again um and so, sorry about the uh, uh iphone dropping in and out last time that's uh 28 percent of the market share gone thank you very much Shane. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to upgrade to yet, but we'll figure it out. But um, no, cool to talk to you. Cool to um, that you're coming back over to making the trek back over, and it's good that there's some, you know, a lot bigger numbers of Utes because, you know, that's just what we want to see: cars racing, not not a spread out um, sort of parade lap. So it's it's good. Um, you, you've got a massive family backing, and, and your parents do. You know, they obviously do a hell of a lot for you with uh, your early stuff, and and obviously well well looking after you now with fearing you around everywhere how is how has it changed going into more professional racing and um running with these more professional teams where there's a lot more crew and um you know your parents aren't as maybe not as hands-on when i first started car racing we were more with family-based teams that uh like lauren gramer is what they lauren and my dad used to race together and against each other same with mick so it was teams that we had family connections with and we're all a family-based team because it was all their partners, girlfriends, boyfriends, uh, brothers, sisters, all of them were out there helping at the event. So it wasn't just people that work in the sport. It was people that just had an interest in the sport or had grown up around it. So it was good having that family interest in it. Uh, Where now that I'm racing with Cedars, um, it's a more, I guess, professional team, they um, have heaps of people that come from all different parts of Australia to help on race weekends. And it's not just my family being there, but they're there if they need to help. But they've taken more of a step back now and are there supporting and watching both my brother and I, but they don't have to have that hands-on input that they've used to have. Cool. Cool. Yeah, so it's good they get to enjoy the weekend up and uh... – have a few bevies and, and watch the action on track. Yeah, I'm who's, still running around though. <laughs> you're still running around. Who's the who's the more um, who's the more competitive parent? Say, you know, like uh, think of footy sideline parent yelling and screaming and, <laughs> and getting right into it. And who's the more nervous parent? Mum's the definitely the nervous one. Yeah. Um, she's probably more nervous about Zach's racing now. Um because he's at a higher level and there's a lot, a lot of like a lot on the line for him because this is something that he's built, been building for as a career and has almost got a supercar drive last year. So um, it's been something for him that's his career. So it's a lot more nerve wracking for her watching him. Um, but dad's the more competitive one. Um, even when we're go karting, he'd be the one on the sidelines that if you'd turn around and look at him watching us, he'd be looking like he's driving with us at the track because you could see him turning his head and his body to whichever corner we're going through. <laughs> awesome. No, that's that's really cool to hear. And um, I assume you're just as much as the sideline coach for uh, Zach as, as anything as well. Do you bounce ideas off each other? or um, And who's the fastest, I guess? <laughs> he, um, at race weekends, if he's not there, I'll call him and... He's probably the harshest critic because I'll call him and just to see what 
like he wasn't at the six hour, so I'd call him after the sessions. He was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? And so he'd be the one having a go at me saying, basically telling me I need to be better regardless of what I'm doing on track. Um, but at the race events, I'll go and see him and like he'll give me pointers if, if I ask for them. If I don't ask for them, he'll just tell me off basically say I need to be faster, I need to be up here, I need to do this. Um, but we're both there supporting each other when we can because I try to go to most of his races. And last year when we were at Perth, uh, his sessions were right after the ute, so I'd literally get out of the ute uh, after Park Ferme and run across to the other side of the track into the middle of the track to the supercars pit lane to watch his race, which is probably something I'll be doing this weekend because our sessions are one after another again. Oh, well, hectic. Yeah, and the ute's <laughs> way down in the, um, the turn one sheds for us, so... Oh, this yeah. year we're behind the media centre, so it's like right in the middle, so I don't have to run so far this time. Oh, okay. So you're in the um, in in the carports. Yeah, last oh, year okay. we were down the end. Yeah, this yeah, year yeah. we moved. Yeah, random. Oh, cool. Oh, well, that's yeah. That's not too bad. Just a hop and a skip and you cross the bridge there. Yeah. Uh, Zach, yeah. No, that's. I was lucky enough to go for a ride in the supercar with Zach last year, and we were doing some testing in the doing the ride session in the um, monster car. So that was pretty cool. He's definitely a talented guy, and um. He obviously learned everything from go-karting with you doing the steering and him doing the pedals. So Yeah, I definitely yeah. taught him what he knows. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that, that's cool. You got something to bounce off there and uh, something to help you adapt to tracks you might not have been on before, which is which is cool. Along the same sort of lines, the transition between, you know, you went from karts to XLs. Um, did you run the 86 as well? Uh, so I did one round in, in the 86 at Bathurst with the Aussie driver search. Yeah. Um, but between race weekends this year and last year, um, with Cedars, we go to Eastern Creek and do skid pan sessions with James from Driving Solutions. So we're oh, driving cool. an 86 round skid pan, just practicing our car control and learning a lot from James because he has a lot of experience and a really good car control. No, that's a, so how do you, do you have any sort of method or, or how do you adapt to the different cars? Because obviously the, uh, XL is really light little front wheel drive car. Some of those golfs and stuff. So you said you drove in the production cars, and then you got like the the later model BMWs, which are a bit punchier and nippier, um, and then the Utes, which are bigger, heavier. They got that big LS donk, so heaps of horsepower and torque. Um, you know, how do you transition between the three? Because you got to drive them all that little bit differently. They're all on a different tire. Even production cars from round to round can be on different tires, if depending whether you're doing the the MRF controlled series or are you just on the local ones. You know, like it's they're all that little bit different. What, what, what do you do? Trying to have some sort of understanding of the different types of cars with the front-wheel drive cars um, was something I learned on. So I had a lot of experience with that and find I adapt well to the front-wheel drive cars because that's what I was taught on and people explained it in ways that made so much sense to me when I first learned, where the other cars I've had to adapt my driving to that and learn the different techniques that I need and have like have to be told them to be able to learn them. Like with the ute, uh, the braking technique was something that I had to be explained to and told about before I got in the ute so I could understand what I was trying to do. And then my driving technique and style has changed as well just because of what I need to do in the ute is different to the rest of the cars. So I've moved my – we've moved how I sit in the car – how I turn. Um, so I've always been someone who shuffles a little bit in the steering wheel because I was used to sitting quite far back, where in the Utes I sit a lot closer than I previously have. So it was just 
finding that different style and trying to suit it to the car. Yeah, get that get that set up right. So with the Utes, is it more of a um, a lot of upfront brake pressure and get it done early and get the car the Ute moving again, or is it uh, it's a lot getting, of trail braking? It's getting the initial pressure and then the trail braking because in the other cars, like front wheel drive cars, you hit the brakes hard and then you get back on the gas to go around the corner. Yeah. Um, with the Utes, you have to brake hard and then slowly release and trail brake which is something I haven't done a lot of trail braking before because I've never needed to. Yeah, cool. So good thing to know. So I take it you have to um, left foot brake a little in some places just to keep the nose in sort of deal or are they... Some drivers do. It's yeah. not that common, but some of them do. Like I know Marjoram will be because his supercar driver has done a bit of experience, had quite a bit of experience with that and I've seen some of his footage where he does, but not a whole lot of us do. It just depends if you're comfortable with that and can do that and it helps like with your driving some people it doesn't help it depends how you do it yeah just no. just quietly between the three of us i wouldn't believe any footage you see of marjoram's footwork especially <laughs> when he starts using things like brushes and oh yeah that's to, to start yeah, yeah so yeah. just just be careful what you take out of marjoram's footage that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> yeah about the only thing you'll get out of marjoram's footage is hairstyling <laughs> uh, no, nah, he's he, he no doubt will be using a little bit of left foot braking, especially around turn one. That's a bit of a uh, some cars at Wanneroo you really need to do it. Um, anything with enough power to pick the front up and push it a bit, the, you sort of keep the nose in. That's a trick. But um, no, nah, cool. Oh, it's good you good you're already on the competition there. Marge will be quick. He came out and did that run last year and went pretty well. And yeah, um, the Bendy did well, and then him and I are in the same car this year, so we can bouncing off each other because we're the only Tritons in the team now, I think. Oh, cool. Because our, our team's got Isuzus and Mazdas this year as well. Ah, cool. The um, Yeah, no, it'd be cool to see see how it goes. It's cool to see them get more teams because the Utes, you know, sort of fell off the bandwagon a little bit with the, you know, when, he, when, the, when the old Utes sort of disappeared. Um, and it's because not they, they weren't made anymore, so that's, that was the reason, right? But that they were always pretty popular and always had good fields. So it'd be cool to see that come back again because the, the racing was always a bit uh, harder or, I don't know, crowd-friendly. I don't know how to say it without being, you know, saying it's crash em ups because it's not what it was. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's cool to see. So obviously with Cedars, you've got a, um, you know, an engineer and stuff to work with to really get you figured in the car, get you set up right and, and bounce stuff off. Um, for a lot of local stuff, people just don't, get what that's all about so how do you get that bond with that that engineer how do you um bounce the ideas backwards and forwards um without coming and saying the car's not doing the thing make it do the thing you know what i mean yeah well this year i've actually got a new engineer my engineer has moved on and now works for supercars so i've had to get a new engineer but it's someone that i um was still around last year and we like did a little bit of data uh, towards the end of the year because my engineer was quite busy doing a lot for our team um so it was just trying to build like a rapport and like just talk and talk about different race techniques like just doing like track walks for example we at gold coast we walked around the track together and was showing me different things about the track because i hadn't been there and it's a street circuit so it's, it was my first actual street circuit of racing on so it was a lot of just talking and trying to 
build a connection, I guess, throughout the year. Yeah, cool. So when you're doing a track walk, like say you're going to do the track work walk at Wanneroo this this coming week, if you get a chance with the engineer, what sort of stuff are you going to look at and 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 pick on? Um, the track surface, his track surfaces change or change throughout the weekend, and even just between events, his weather changes it. Track drive, the cars driving on the track change because like after being on after a supercar session, there's rubber everywhere offline, so that makes the track. A lot less grippy if you're offline. Uh, we found that in our last race there last year because we were right after the supercars. Um, just going through different techniques and lines uh, for like the bowl in the last corner, first corner will be the main um, ones because they're the ones that will be the most focus needed on those because they're the ones that you'll lose out big time if you don't make if you make a mistake. So we're trying to focus on the technique through there and the braking technique as well. Yeah, cool. Now that's that's cool. I mean, I'd love to get out on a track walk with you guys and just see the different stuff people focus on because everyone's that little bit different and everyone has that little bit, you know, through different experiences, they look for different things. Um, so I suppose racing in, in, a, in a national, you know, A-game series like the Utes and, and being that you, you know, you still are pretty young um, or very young compared to old dudes like me, um, how do you get on with your mental toughness? Like it's, we, we don't talk about it enough because it's motorsport sucks, man. It is such a kick in the ball sport sometimes. It doesn't matter how good you are or how much luck you've got. Things just don't go your way. And, and trying to get your head around that and, and, and not lose it is, is a hard thing. Like, so yeah, what do you do? Or how do you get around that? Or I think know, it's something that I had to, um, learn pretty quickly in go-karting because being a female in go-karting was quite uncommon so i had to grow up early and learn to not care what others think and if there's an issue on the track it's on the track and just keep driving like don't worry about it um with the utes last year i had to be resilient because i had a lot of pretty most of the rounds there was a race that I didn't finish and it was whether something went wrong on the track and I actually finished on track and was half a lap short of doing the minimum laps or car got damaged and couldn't finish it from something that happened on the track that so was trying to just focus on the next race and bounce back and not worry like if I didn't finish that race focus on the next race and just get those championship points we need yeah cool now that's that's a um you know, pretty good way to come up and, and learn that and yeah and a lot of it is just the, the perception of what other people think be it real or not it's a it's a hard thing and especially with social media and all that sort of stuff kids take it so hard these days um when it's yeah no that's that's really really cool um so changing it up a little bit now just before i give you back to uncle shane um what's your favorite track and, and why You've obviously driven a few with, you know, being lucky to get through production cars. And with production cars being such a cool series, you get to go quite a few places. Um, my favorite street circuit was Gold Coast. Even though I didn't have the best round there, I really enjoyed the track. Those chicanes were something that I've never experienced at any other track. So it was something I really enjoyed. Um, everyone will say Bathurst is their favorite track because it's such a renowned track, which everyone loves. So it was also one of them. And then I did really enjoy... Perth last year as well. So and probably I, my three favourite tracks. Is the mayor paying you for this? <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. 
All right, cool. Uh, awesome. And then my last question, which I ask everyone, is a bit of a goofy question, but do you have any pre-race or pre-event superstitions, you know, like the have to use the same toilet stall, otherwise it throws your way out, or you got this special pair of race socks, or you got to get changed in a certain order, otherwise you get looped out? Um, um, we've had some weird ones, so don't worry. Whatever you say won't be that unusual. I don't think I have really superstitions. There's things that I always make sure I do before in a, before a race, so I always stretch before a race, have my music blasting, and listen to the same playlist every time. Um, and it's just certain things I do, get, like getting in the car is probably how I get myself ready to physically get in the car. Like the last things I do to get in would be um, like just – how I get my race gear on and then how I suit seat up and get talk to my engineer and stuff would be I do those the same way except for when I raced at Bathurst this year I kind of threw myself out of whack a little bit because I didn't listen to my music before any of the sessions I didn't get a chance to stretch especially before my stint in the race because it was such a panic to get in with the driver being sick um it's normally just the same things I do every day going to a race of like race weekend and before each race I try to do like keep it like the same routine yeah cool yeah now stretching's a stretching's a big thing I do it a lot now that's because I'm old and if I don't stretch or if I don't pay attention to it I get the worst cramp like and it sucks there's always a race weekend when Formula One's on and I'll be watching Formula One it'll be 10 o'clock at night and I'll have to get up and pace around the table with a bung leg that's full of cramp. It just sucks. <laughs> so don't get old is, is the key there. But no, stretching is a big thing. Um, yeah, it just it's... makes you feel more prepared as well. It's just something yeah. that stops you focusing and, like, stressing on the race, but you're focusing on something else that will help you with the race. Yeah, 100%. And it just makes you feel that little bit more like you're going through a process. And, you, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I apologize. Yeah, more prepared for it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I apologise to, to Ruckus and Sarah and the guys that had to see me stretching in the in my undergarments <laughs> while I was uh, getting ready at the last at last weekend's race meeting. But uh, hey, I didn't get cramp and I, didn't, I wasn't bowled up right walking around the house at 10 o'clock at night, so it was good. <laughs> now, cool, I'll give you back to Shane now. And uh, yeah, thanks for talking to us. Hopefully, I'll get to catch you over the weekend. I'll be, I'll be cruising around. Um, we've got a few garage tours with customers this year, so uh, that'll be pretty cool. And just get to enjoy the good racing. Um, you know, it's always a, always a hell of a good show there for us local guys that take it for granted, that place. So, yeah, look forward to it. And I, and I wish you all the best. And, um, yeah, don't don't give uh, Marge any advantage at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, actually just put up a post um, about, about this re-recording and uh, mentioned we've ripped on Marge a little bit in this episode. So... And that it's not actually him as a guest again, because he's already had he had two episodes. We've you given that guy again. two episodes. I think that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, well, one was just advertising for Old Spice Brew Cream, wasn't it? Uh something like that. <laughs> like I can't remember. It was a bit of a blur. I think that I think that was recorded at the same time that we did Ducky's episode. Oh, we did a live one with him, didn't we? No, uh, wasn't. Yeah, it was in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. Anyway, um. Right, back 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 to our guest because you know we we talk. Marge has got enough publicity. Um, <laughs> if you weren't doing motorsport, what would you be doing? I'm not sure. I'd like to do something in motorsport because I have I actually had a job interview with Supercars after Newcastle and was unlucky enough to just miss out. I was their second choice, 
Um, but oh, I'd love to work in motorsport. I just don't know what I do because I know, like, I'm quite experienced in different parts of motorsport and different categories, but I don't know what part of motorsport that I'd fit in besides being a driver. Well, at the Perth Round, there's this event called Girls on Track Pathways, <laughs> and you should totally come along to that. I might have to. And then <laughs> just, just come along and you can, like, we can just figure it out. Just, yeah. Sounds good. I, I, I actually have been lucky. I've, I've attended four, three, three, um, three events now, I think, of the Girls on Track. Um, and the first one was over in Sydney, um, which was just nuts. Um, and then Perth, um, the first one that came over here, uh, that was actually 2020. And then 2020, 2021. I've been to three, but I've only been to one of the Pathways events where it was. So I've been to Sandown was the first event I went to. Yeah. I was there watching Zach race, so I had plenty of time to be at that one. Um, I did the Bathurst one last year, which was the day after the event, so it's after the race weekend I had plenty of time to be there. And then the Adelaide uh, clips around last year, um, yeah. I was there watching and went to that event and it was the first time I'd been to a Pathways one. And it was interesting experience because all the girls came up to me talking to me because I'm a driver and that was trying to explain my career path to them and try and help them find a way into it, I guess, was the hard part because they all have different aspirations and different areas of motorsport that interest them. Yeah, because, I mean, at these events, there's like there's obviously drivers there. There's also officials, there's media, there's engineers. Um, I know they did a phone call in Perth with some... Oh, I'm really bad. I've forgotten a name from uh, Alfa Romeo um, F1 team. Um, oh, I can't remember a name. That's really bad. Um, they dialed in with her. Like she got up in the middle of the night to chat to the to the group. Um, and then of it, then yeah, there was like actual engineering students who were building race cars in Perth who were there and talking to the girls that attended and. It was just, um, it was great to just watch the interactions and, you know, even the networking between the people that are there to help. You know, so like the, yeah, like the media, um, who do we have? We had Nadine Armstrong in Perth, um, you know, and a couple of like the engineer um, uh, mentors slash champions were actually talking to her to talk about, you know, media and, getting into media. So it was actually interesting watching like everyone was networking, not just not just the girls that were there at attendance. So Yeah, like it's meeting a heap of different people that like I haven't met at other events. There's always different women at those events. Yeah. So it's just networking with different people and then the ones that you do know you get to catch up with again as well. Yeah. And I, and obviously like the other part the other one which is inspire is, you know, more aimed at school kids and you know it's interesting at those events you know you see the the girls that are there because they have to be there um yeah because you know maybe their teachers are motorsport nut um funnily enough we've we have one of those in saloon cars he's actually a teacher um and he brought his students to one of the events and you could clearly see the the divide between we have to be here 
and then the this is actually what I want to do. Um, but by the time the simulator came around and a couple of other things like the competitiveness in them, in them finally got them interested in what motorsport's all about. So yeah, you said that a lot of the rounds because it's teachers or parents are making them be there and they don't want to be there, so they're really shy. And then by the end of the day. They've had a great day and learned a heap of different things and got to experience things that they wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. Um, now, what else do we have to talk about for you? Um, okay. This is, Brent's got his question about, you know, you, you, the pre-race things and rituals and that. Um, I always like to ask our guests um, if they could have as a co-driver engineer teammate you know yeah, something some sort of yeah, that sort of relationship within motorsport if i could have anyone uh from any era of motorsport alive dead will bring him back to life um you know who would who would you want that person to be to get you know a like mentorship or co-drive with that's a tough question there's so many people that have done so much in motorsport I have enjoyed in the past co-driving and uh, running like our family team where I've had a race event where we did a um, we did a Winton 300 where my dad and brother and I raced the car together and we had our family team running that, just like local people from Benalla and, our pa- and my parents. Um, I've done, in 2018, I actually did a race again with Zach as my co-driver in, a, in dad's car that he owns his Evo. Um, which was a good experience and we end up winning a race and coming second for the weekend, I think. Um, someone that I grew up watching was Senna because we watched him in these movies and all, he's all over TV and everyone loved watching him. He'd be someone that would be interesting to just be around because he was very opinionated and the way he drove was he was such an inspiration to so many people back when he was driving and even now people still adore him and watch him in all the videos and TV and movies and stuff we can. Okay. I like the, like the um, family aspect. Like that's pretty cool. Having, yeah, having... that was good. Hmm. Um, and the other thing we love to do for our guests is we love to let them, um, you know, do the old shout out. Um, yeah, shout out to my homies. Um, I'm going to stop that. I'm never doing that again. Um, I am not in my 20s anymore. I'm not allowed to do that. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, California, Shane. Yeah. Um, so, look, it's it's a good time. Yeah, for, we like, yeah, if you got yeah people that have backed you, obviously, you know. Um, or your peeps. Yeah, your peeps. <laughs> Um, <laughs> now you stop it. <laughs> I think you're younger than me as well, which is the scary thing, Brent. No, I think I'm older than you, dude. Do Do you have a Do you have a seven in in your birth year? Uh no. Do Just. you Do you have a eight and a one in your birth year? No. An eight and a zero. I'm not giving it away because too many people know how old I am, man. <laughs> uh, you only turned 40 like a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know, you're younger than me. Oh, am I? Anyway, I just got the baby face, baby cheeks. Um, that's what happens when you're fat, you get baby cheeks. 
Um, this is going downhill. So this has gone down really. Oh, yeah, so yeah. sorry. Is that? Uh, I need more caffeine. Less caffeine. More caffeine. It's race you're week. I'm excited. I'm just excited. It's race week. Anyway, um, your spo- sponsors, people that have helped you. You know, anyone that you want to say thank you, give some props to, whatever. Now is the time to do it. Yeah. Or, or uh, just your homies. <laughs> My first thanks is always to my parents because they're the ones that have supported both myself and my brother throughout our entire racing career, being our team, our supporters, and our sponsors from back when we first started go-karting through, right through to now. Um, so dad, um, dad's businesses, best leisure industries and best lifestyle units are always been on all of our go-karts, cars, anything that we've driven, they've been included on. Um, so they're our main ones. And then, um, last year I had Ben's motor spares and repairs from Benalla. Um, he supported me and has supported Zach as well. Um, it, um, our family friends, uh, Wayne and Sharon Cox, as they've always supported us and come out to our events, um, and help at race events when we need them. Um. They'll be the main ones, but this year I am looking for sponsors and supporters um, to help with my racing from this round through to the last round at the end of the year, um, with our next round being Sydney in July. I reckon you should hit up Adam Marge around for some sponsorship from what I won. Just get a Marge army ute. <laughs> oh, I've got to stop it. I've got to stop it. He's going to hit me one day. He's just going to... You just it'll be a flick of the hair, though. It'll be like <laughs> you might have to hide from him on the weekend. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you very much for joining us um, again. Um, you know, after the after what happened on the first time, I'm very pleased to see that all my little recording things are saying that everything's going good. So um, <laughs> I'm going to keep fingers crossed. But yeah, no, we should be all good. Um, best of luck this week. Um, the super utes at carco.com.au raceway, the Perth super sprint. Um, this episode is 100% going to be out before that round, so um, yeah, we won't be wishing you luck and you smashing the field and people going, Oh, how did you know? So, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I just think I'm about to start rambling. So, Brent, do you want to finish up the episode for us? No, yeah, no, thank you very much. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I hope you all the best in Perth. Um, everyone else, you can hear us on all your favourite podcast services, channels, whatever you want to call them. Look us up on the socials. And uh, make sure you get to carco.com.au raceway for the supercar round this weekend, especially to follow um, the guys in the Utes, guys and girls in the Utes. Shane here from Behind the Sport. Thanks for listening to our latest episode. If you don't already follow us, head on over to Facebook and Instagram. Find us on there, give us a follow, or visit our website behindthesport.net, catch up with the latest motorsport news, find all of our previous episodes, and of course you can leave us comments on those as well. You can also find us on your favourite podcast provider such as Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes and more. Thanks for listening, we'll catch you next time.